You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. All right. Well, Father, I thank you for these wonderful, glorious, magnificent masterpieces that are your kids today that are joining me. And I thank you, Father, that you have good news to share with us today. I thank you for this series, uh, Drop Your tr- Drop the Charges, and I thank you for the good news that it proclaims, Father. Thank you that the gospel is the best news that's ever been told. Thank you that it declares the new creation. It declares our innocence, our perfection, our wholeness, the fact that we are healed, the fact that we are complete, the fact that we lack nothing. Thank you that Jesus's resurrection is our resurrection too. And I thank you, Father, that resurrection life is our portion. Thank you that we can live above the curse. We can live uh, independent of the world system and we can take dominion over it, Father. Thank you that heaven is within us and that heaven is our portion. Heaven is our inheritance and that everywhere we go, Father, that's where heaven is. Thank you that, that you are not some far distant God, but you are the God that lives inside of us. Thank you that you have made us one through Jesus Christ. Thank you that the Father and I, the Father and every listener are one. Thank you that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that the very same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in us and that all things are actually possible, Father. So I thank you, Father, that this uh, series has challenged people, Father, to come up higher, Father, to uh, think with the mind of Christ. And I thank you that as we wrap it up today, Father, it's just going to be more and more of that, Father. Thank you that the eyes of our understanding are enlightened and we know the hope of our calling, Father. Thank you that the illusion of separation from you is being swallowed up with the truth of our union with you. And our union with you changes everything, Father. Thank you that it it it. It allows us to live free from guilt and shame and condemnation and gives us permission to drop the charges against ourselves, against others, and live from a place of victory. Live from a place where all things are ours and all things have been reconciled and gives us uh, the privilege, Father, of co-creating heaven on earth with you. And so I bless our time together today. I say, think through my mind, speak through me today, Father. Thank you that this message goes forth unhindered and unchecked by any outside force. And we just give you the reins, Holy Spirit. You do the talking today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, awesome, you guys. I am pumped to be wrapping up this series today. And hopefully you've had a chance to listen to all the different episodes that we've covered so far. I know that, um, you know, I've covered some, I don't know, hot topics. Uh, I've covered some some sacred cows, I think, uh, in this series. And I pray that you have been challenged by it in a good way and that the fruit of it has been more peace and more love and more joy and more righteousness in your life. And I really think that today uh, you're going to get pumped up all over again as you are reminded of the truth of what the gospel means about you. So, you know, when I was thinking about this series and the title Drop the Charges and I was thinking and praying about how I wanted to wrap it up today, you know, I really thought that it would be appropriate for us to talk about just the, the the nature of human judgment and how 
how fallible it actually is and how much we really can't lean on our own understanding. And, you know, I think most of us, you know, are kind of caught in this habit of judgment uh, because the world system and the way that we're raised, it's just steeped in it. And what do I mean by human judgment? I mean that internally, because of our life experiences, we have been programmed with beliefs about everything. You guys, we have uh, been programmed with beliefs about money. We have been programmed with belief about marriage. We've been programmed with beliefs about God. We've been programmed with beliefs about um, what is what is possible for ourselves, like what what is allowable and what is disallowable and what is good and what is evil, you know. And we we a lot of times are not even aware that we are judging things according to the way that we've been programmed. And so today, I just want to maybe shed some light on this um, this reality, really, that we have filters that we are constantly evaluating sensory input through. And when I say sensory input, I mean every situation that we go into, um, our physical senses are feeding us, you know, stimulus through that information. Every circumstance that we step into, we are making subconscious judgments about what it all means. You know, uh, one of the things I heard someone say one time about human beings, and I think that it is so true, is this idea that human beings are meaning-making machines. And part of what I want to say about this idea of dropping the charges is also really about another way you might be able to say it is about dropping the judgments or dropping the meanings that we are constantly ascribing to the things that we encounter in our everyday lives. You know, it's really about living a judgment-free life. And it's really about learning to not lean on our own understanding and not lean on our own unrenewed minds and not lean on the programming that we've been inundated with since the moment that we were born. And in order to do that, you know, just a revelation of how we ascribe meaning to things, a revelation of how we, you know, judgment is constantly something that we're operating in unless we are aware of it is, you know, what I really wanted to discuss today. And so in order to do that, I, I wanted to break out. I may have talked about this on previous podcasts. I mean, sometimes I'm coaching so many people and I'm talking in so many different forums. Sometimes I forget where I've shared what. But regardless if you've heard this before, it's a really good reminder. Okay, I want to break out um, kind of this faculty of judgment. I want to break out the way that we ascribe meaning to things based upon our past experiences. And I want to I want to share a tool with you today that I think will really help you. And um, I don't really have a name for this tool. I probably should come up with a name for this tool, but. Um, it really describes how human beings are meaning-making machines and how we cannot lean on our understanding and uh, why we can't lean on our understanding because the majority of our judgments, the majority of the way that we ascribe meaning to things is steeped in the illusion of separation from God. And so let me describe this tool for you a little bit. And it's, you know, it's got two circles, so maybe I'll call it the two-circle tool. 
Um, but if you could just imagine with me right now, if you're listening, you know, just imagine this. If you're watching uh, in the group and you're here watching the video, uh, you can watch me draw these imaginary circles. But I want you to think about two circles. I want you to kind of, you know, take your fingers and draw a circle in front of you with your left hand and then take your right hand and draw an invisible circle in front of you with your right hand. And I want you to think about this left hand circle being the circle that if you were going to describe reality, okay, in the left-hand circle is what I want you to, to, to put in that circle is the facts of the situation, okay? So I don't care what it is, what experience, what situation you're going through, you can actually describe what the facts of that situation were, right? I was having a conversation with my brother, okay? That's a fact, Okay, it's not an opinion, it's not a judgment, it's just a verifiable fact. I was having a conversation with my brother. Uh, my brother had on a red shirt, okay? Now, if you were colorblind, that might be some type of uh, place that you could get some deception in there, but let's just pretend you're not colorblind and that the shirt is actually red, okay? Uh, you could describe, you know, uh, the way that your brother looks. You could describe the weather. Well, the temperature was 80 degrees when I was talking to my brother. We were at this location. We were at a restaurant, right? And the name of the restaurant was this name of the restaurant. And, you know, I'm kind of going into detail about this to belabor the point a little bit that there are facts that are verifiable about any situation that we go through. And that left-hand circle, I want you to think about is that's the facts circle. Okay, well, the right-hand circle is where I want you to start to think about uh, the things that are subjective. Okay, this is where the meanings uh, lie in any experience that we go through. And so this is where the judgments are, okay? This is where the interpretations of the facts start to come into play. Because in this right-hand circle is how, what goes in that circle is going to very much be determined by the way that you judge things, the way that you interpret things through the perceptional filters that have been developed in your brain over the course of your life based on similar experiences that you have experienced that your brain will associate with the current experience. So yes, we have the facts, but the facts are not necessarily always the way we interpret them. How can I get a, a virtual amen here, right? This is why witness testimony in legal proceedings can vary so much. Why? It's because of this right-hand circle. Because we don't just get the facts, you know, we also have interpretations of those facts and we, we ascribe meaning to those facts. That's why human beings are meaning-making machines. Okay, so in this right-hand side, you may come to this conversation with your brother with all kinds of judgments before you ever even get to the conversation. Why? Because you've had a relationship with your brother your whole life. So you may already have some judgments about your brother, right? You may think that your brother exaggerates things, right? So you're already going to be listening to whatever is going on with your brother through a filter of, well, we're just going to take what he says with a grain of salt, right? 
um, you might all, you might have some other things that you're bringing to the, the situation just based on maybe the topic that's being covered in the, the conversation with your brother. Maybe, uh, God forbid, you're talking about politics or, you know, that you're talking about religion or you're talking about parenting or you're talking about money or you're talking about uh, Jesus. You know, I mean, really, most topics that we discuss with people are are you know, it, it's amazing that we can understand each other at all because we bring our past into the current situation. So depending on the, what you're actually doing with your brother, right? Heck, you could be just be going kayaking with your brother and you have all kinds of meaning and programming around kayaks and around, around you know, swimming and around the safety of kayaks um, and you know god forbid you're going somewhere in florida and now you have all kinds of things that you're bringing in about alligators or you know i'm, I'm just making a point here that that circle of judgment that circle of meanings that circle of interpretations you're bringing a total background right you're bringing programming into this current experience and so there's no such thing as really objectivity with the human brain, with the human mind. Any situation we go through, we're bringing our programming to the situation. In fact, I kind of joke sometimes, I say anytime you're having a conversation with someone, let's say you and another person, well, there's always six people actually having the conversation. You're like, what? Yeah, it's you and the other person plus your parents and their parents. Okay, so six people, because why? We get so much programming from our family of origin. And so there are things that are uncommunicated in the background that are influencing our judgment, that are influencing our interpretation, and are influencing the meaning that we are ascribing to anything that we go through. Okay, so when I say drop the charges, another way of thinking about it for the purpose of today's topic is I'm saying drop the judgments. I'm saying drop the meanings. And why is that important? Well, because here's the truth. When you have the facts in one circle and you have the, the judgments in the other circle and you make a little overlap between those two circles. So you've got kind of, you know, a little overlap area between the two where they're where they're intersecting. Well, that little intersection there is your perception of reality. It's your story. It's your um, perceived reality. It's how the world occurs to you. It's your occurring world. And every single human being on the planet has a different occurring world, depending upon the meanings that they're ascribing to whatever the circumstance that they're going through. And so not only are human beings meaning-making machines, but we're also storytellers, right? We're always telling a story. In fact, if you hear someone tell you about something that happened, I will guarantee you that they're telling you their story. They're telling you not only the facts from their perspective, but they're telling you the meaning of those facts from their perspective as well. And so this phenomenon is one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit tells us not to lean on our own understanding and why discernment is very different than intellectual uh, processing and human reasoning, right? Because discernment happens at a level outside of this dichotomy. It happens outside of these circles and the intersection of these circles. Because if you begin to really dissect your story or you begin to listen to someone's story, 
you will start to find the meanings that they are ascribing to things. As I said earlier, that 99% of the time, those beliefs and those judgments and those meanings that people are ascribing to things are not including what is real. Okay. They're steeped in the illusion of separation from God. And my goodness, the truth is, is that all of our programming, no matter, you know, when it happened in our lives was usually taught to us. Our beliefs were formed by the illusion of separation from God. And not only that, but just through our limited ability to perceive reality. Why? Because our physical senses and our physical capabilities of thinking and processing information are limited by design, meaning that there are many things that we cannot perceive with our physical senses and with our intellectual mind. There is an entire unseen realm. We have angel angels. We have uh, demonic forces. I mean, there are spiritual forces at work. Heck, there are uh, quantum uh, and scientific things that are energetic things that are, are in work in situations. What do I mean by that? Well, radio waves are real. Um, Microwaves are will real. So our our physical senses and our intellectual uh, ability to process information is limited by our ability to perceive things. And so the reality of it is is that human perception and human judgment is fallible. It just is fallible. And you know, you hear people say like you know opinions are like noses meaning everyone has them. And this is also why if you start to really get a revelation of the fallibility of human judgment, what happens is you start to get set free from human judgment. You start to not um, trust in human judgment, right? I mean, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, <laughs> um, you know, God says that he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, Right. And that he uses the things that are foolish and the things that are not to bring to things that are to bring the things that are to not. Meaning that there is a whole world outside of human perception. It's called the mind of Christ. And we can uh, process information. We can perceive information with our spiritual senses. We are not limited just to our physical senses and just to our intellect. We have access to the mind of God through our union with Jesus. We have, we have five spiritual senses in addition to our physical senses. And you guys, you have to realize that this is how Jesus operated. Jesus operated as a son of God. In John 5.30, this is a, one picture of how Jesus operated. And here's what that scripture says. It says, I have not ever, nor will I in the future, act on my own. I listen to the instructions of the one who sent me, and I act on these divine instructions. I'm paraphrasing it, but I'm, I'm saying it pretty. it's pretty true to the voice translation. He says, and my judgment is just and never self-seeking because I'm committed to, to pursuing God's agenda and not my own. And so what I want to say with that scripture is that Jesus did not judge out of his physical human self. Jesus did not 
operate out of an unrenewed mind or the programming of the culture and the customs of his day. He lived in union with the father. And because he lived in a place of the father and I are one, okay, he had access to the mind of Christ. He was operating in the gifts of the spirit. He was operating in words of knowledge and words of wisdom and operating in the prophetic. He was operating in the working of miracles. He was operating in gifts of healing. He was operating in a, 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 an intelligence and a mind that was operating above the fall. Okay, because at the fall, what happened is, is that the human mind, the human intellect, the human senses, the physical realm took, took um, prominence in the human brain, in the human mind. In fact, I believe that in our mind, we, we, the, the ideas of like our amygdala and the ways that we got programmed for safety and that you know, everything now was about um, fight or flight or freeze, right? Like we were perceiving things in order to survive. There was a survival mechanism that got installed into human beings, intellectual and perceptional filters that that caused human beings to now judge things out of a fallen mindset. Okay, so this fallen mindset is what is governing this whole perceptional, you know, double circle dichotomy. It's what um, human judge, it's all, it's a system, you guys. It's a system of thinking. It's a system of judgment. It's a system of programming. And, but Jesus, even though he was, he says we are in the world, but we, were, we are not of the world. But see, Jesus operated, he ascended above that, right? His mind was operating at a place place that was in union with the father's perception, with the father's judgments, with the father's uh, agenda, right? His motives, the way the father saw things, the way the father did things. He saw what the father was doing and he, he imitated that. He did exactly what the father was doing. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So there is a way to live that is outside of this paradigm. There is a way to come up higher called living in the spirit. It's called the mind of the spirit. This is the mind of the flesh. This is the mind of the human, uh, of, of humanity really, right? And so in Christ, we have the ability to transcend that and live in the place to be spiritually minded, which is life and peace. And so we have a source of interpretation. We have a source of information. It's called revelation. And we can live from a revelatory realm instead of from a fallen realm because of our union with Christ. And so the way that that happens is that the, first of all, there has to be an awareness. We have to have an awareness of this programming, an awareness of this, this, um, and heck you guys, I mean, even to the point that we have a program self, we think that, that, that this, this, this reality that we're perceiving the world through is true. We think this is who we are. We think this is the way the world operates when there's an entirely different system. We have not been given the spirit of this world, right? We have been given the spirit of God. And let me just go to, to second Corinthians. I mean, um, first Corinthians chapter two and talk about this for a moment. Uh, I'm going to take it out of the Passion Translation. 
And I want to just read this to you because it, it is a great place in scripture that talks about kind of these, these two minds and these two ways of perceiving and how the Holy Spirit it acts in our lives to elevate our thinking so that we can transcend the programming and operate in the spirit and operate with the mind of Christ. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, in the Passion Translation, here's what I want to um, say. I want to start here, and I'm just going to start in verse one. And let's just read this a little bit. Okay. It says, my brothers and sisters, when I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God, I refused to come as an expert trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. Now, remember, if you go a little bit before chapter two here into chapter one, right? This is when he's saying, well, let me just go up there for a moment. Let me just go to chapter one. So I can bring it into context of what I was already saying. So let me say this. He starts with this. Oh my gosh, you just talked. This is all so good about human judgment. In verse 11 in chapter one, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, I have a serious concern I need to bring up with you. For I have been informed by those of Chloe's house church that you have been destructively arguing among yourselves. And I need to bring this up because each of you is claiming loyalty to, a, to different preachers, saying some... I am a disciple of Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I'm a disciple of Peter of the rock. And some say, I belong only to Christ. But let me ask you this. Is Christ divided up into groups? Did I die on the cross for you? At your baptism, did you pledge yourselves to follow Paul? Thank God, I only baptized two from, uh, from Corinth, Crispus and Gaius. So now no one can say that in my name, I baptized others. Okay, now I'm going to keep going. It says, um, for the anointed one, verse 17, has sent me on a mission, not to see how many I could baptize, but to proclaim the good news. And I declare this message stripped of all philosophical arguments that empty the cross of its true power. For I trust in the all-sufficient cross of Christ alone. To preach this message of the cross seems like sheer nonsense to those who are on their way to destruction. But to us who are being saved, it's the mighty power of God released within us. For it is written, verse 19, I will dismantle the wisdom of the wise and I will invalidate the intelligence of the scholars. So where is the wise philosopher who understands? Where is the expert scholar who comprehends? And where is the skilled debater of our time who can win a debate with God? Hasn't God demonstrated that the wisdom of this world system is utter foolishness? For in his wisdom, God designed that all the world's wisdom would be insufficient to lead people to the discovery of himself. He took great delight in baffling the wisdom of the world by using the simplicity of preaching the story of the cross in order to save those who believe in it. For the Jews constantly demand to see miraculous signs, while those who are not Jews constantly cling to the world's wisdom. But we preach the crucified Messiah. The Jews stumble over him and the rest of the world sees him as foolishness. But for those who have been chosen to follow him, both Jews and Greeks, he is God's mighty power, God's true wisdom. Our Messiah, verse 25, for the foolish things of God have proven to be wiser than human wisdom and the feeble things of God have proven to be far more powerful than any human ability. Okay, now, 
Okay, brothers and sisters, consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Not many of you were wise scholars by human standards, nor were many of you in positions of power. Not many of you were considered the elite when God's called, when you answered God's call. But God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who they think are wise. God chose the pruny and the the, the puny and the powerless to shame the high and mighty. He chose the lowly, the laughable in the world's eyes, nobodies, so that he would shame the somebodies. For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent, so that there would be no place for prideful boasting in God's presence. For it is not from man that we draw our, our life, but from God, as we are being joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And now Jesus, he is our God-given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, and our redemption. And this is what fulfills what is written. If anyone boasts, let him only boast in all that the Lord has done. Okay, so I just wanted to kind of put it in context as we go into chapter two. So thank you for your patience while I read the Bible today. Uh, in verse in chapter two, it says, my brothers and sisters, when I first, to first came to proclaim the secrets of God, I refuse to come to you as an expert, trying to impress you with my eloquent sweet speech and lofty wisdom. For while I was with you, I was determined to be consumed with one topic, Jesus, the crucified Messiah. I stood before you feeling inadequate, filled with reverence for God and a trim and trembling under the sense of the importance of my words. The message I preached and how I preached it, it was not an attempt to sway you with pervasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. So I'm going to stop here for a moment. I could keep reading, but for time's sakes, I'm going to stop here. So you can see that Paul had a, a, a revelation of human wisdom. He had a revelation of human understanding. I would go as far to say he had an understanding of the fallacy of human judgment. It's why he said he stood in front of them in fear and trembling and in reverence. Why? In other translations, it says because he wanted his preaching, he wanted his teaching to not be in the, the power of man's wisdom, but in the power of God. And he said he determined to know nothing but Christ crucified in the presence that he uh, of the audience that he was preaching to. And so beloved, you know, even even this idea of the gospel is foolishness to our natural minds. It is foolishness. It, I mean, when you think about it, it, it seems what is the, you know, I'm going to start a new series called The Secret Power of the Gospel, but the, the secret power of the gospel, this idea that we are one with God, this idea that there's an invisible reality that defines the human race beyond our natural uh, lineage, it, 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 it's not discernible by the brain. It's not, we, we can't discern these things. I mean, we can reason with God. We can reason it together with revelation. It starts to make sense. But it is foolishness to our physical senses, right? And I'm sharing this because there, when we, to drop the charges, it also means to drop our reliance on our human intellect and on our human uh, faculties of reason and to step into the spirit and to begin to trust Holy Spirit and develop that intimacy with the Holy Spirit so that we can be led by Holy Spirit. 
You know, we talk to people every single day. You know, we, we, we do breakthrough calls. If you haven't done a breakthrough call, you should do a breakthrough call. But it's so interesting because when we show up to our breakthrough calls to talk with people, we recognize that they are coming to us on this call with a lifetime of experiences and a lifetime of stories about what is what is going on in their life, what is keeping them from living their purpose, about the challenges that they're having in their relationship with God. And we recognize that these that this very sense of reality that they have is part of what we are we're here to break off of people that we are here to help people release human judgments to actually transcend their program to renew their minds so that they are thinking from a place of union with god and they are beginning to operate without the illusion of separation so that they can actually discover and live their purpose through following the Holy Spirit and operating the same way Jesus described in John chapter 5, 30, right? Meaning that we have to get off the human intellect. We have to get off human reasoning. We have to be led by the Spirit. When people say, you know, if you were going to ask people, who do people say that I am? Well, guess what? You have a human identity. I am the son of, you know, John and Mary, you know, Poppins. <laughs> Surely that's not your last name. But, you know, John and Mary Smith. Or... I am the offspring of God. Okay, so which lineage are, are we identifying with? What 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 identity do we actually stand in? Do we stand in the reality of our our sonship, or do we stand in the the limitations of our of our humanness? Right? Do we do we identify with the son of God, or do we identify with the son of man? Are we processing things through our physical senses and through our, our human intellect and the programming that we've inherited from the world system? Or are we processing things with the mind of Christ? Are we connected with God to such a degree that we are operating the way that Jesus did, abiding in the vine, doing what the Father is doing, saying what the Father is saying? Are we living as a son? Are we, we, are, are we operating out of way of being? in a place that we are living out of our true identity in Christ. You guys, the good news is the proclamation that we have transcended the bondage of human judgment. We can drop the charges. We can drop the meanings. We can drop the construct of the pattern of this world. And we can transcend into the pattern of the kingdom, into the pattern of the mind of God. And we can live out of a wisdom that is not of this world, that is easy to be entreated, that is not right or wrong, but just is, right? It's, it's When you transcend the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you transcend into the now. You transcend into what has always been, what is and was and is to come. You are in this place where you are not trapped inside of time. You're not trapped in the linear concepts of learning. You are in a place of non-linear learning. You are in a place that transcends the limitations of the flesh and the natural realm. And you are a worker of miracles. You are a worker that, that, that manifests heaven on earth and brings heaven's realities into the earth. And, and yes, you confound the wise because it doesn't make sense to the human intellect. It transcends the, the judgments of human beings. And it is difficult for human beings to make sense of miracles. It's difficult for human beings to make sense. I mean, Jesus was always confounding the scribes. He, he, he was very difficult to nail down. You know, he was breaking the rules. He was, he was um, in the same sense, he was fulfilling the law, but he was also 
breaking the law. Like it's, 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 it confounds, it confounds, confounds the human mind. It's why I love what Richard War said. He said, Jesus did, you know, chose the, Jesus is the third way that there's not, it's not always black and white. It's not always uh, right and wrong. Why? Because God understands how we've been programmed. He doesn't, his justice scale, his judgment scale is not like a human judgment scale that is tainted by the world system. Um, I remember reading in C.S. Lewis one time in that book, Mere Christianity, and just breaking down and crying. And the reason that I broke down and cried is because C.S. Lewis was just talking about, you know, how God God judges people. He understands the, their entire lives. He understands what the hands that we've been dealt. And the example he gave, he's like, you know, the same courage that that maybe a soldier goes in selflessly, you know, to defend his um you know, his troop members, you know, and or a fireman goes selflessly into a burning house to, to rescue a baby like that level of courage, you know, is is comparable to an agrophobic's courage when they step out of their front door because they've been terrified and are trapped living in their home. And, you know, from human standards, we would not necessarily think that that courage is comparable to that. I just know that when I read it, all of a sudden I realized that, that God is the only one that is able to judge justly. And even Jesus was concerned with judging justly. He says that I just follow God's instructions. See, I'm not, I'm not following rules. I'm not following law. I'm following the spirit. I'm following the instructions of the father. And my judgment is just. My judgment is not self-serving. I don't have any self-serving motive in me. I am fully committed to God's agenda, to his motives, to what he's doing in every situation. And this freedom of from, from following rules, this freedom of, of, of just this black and white and right and wrong is a place that is, is, it's like the Wild West, you guys. Like It's like, whoa, Like how do we make sense of heaven? How do we make sense of the passion of God? It's an upside down system. You know, how does God, the incarnation of Jesus and going to the cross and, you know, the, you know, God being in Christ, reconciling the cosmos to himself, how does that one act undo everything that Adam the consequences of all that Adam did. I mean, it's, it, it blows the circuitry in our mind. Like our, it's upside down to what we think is right. It's like give and it shall be given unto you. Well, wait, how do I give something and have more? Like it's upside down. How does humility lead to exaltation? When, when, wait a minute, pride would seem like greatness, strength, human power would seem to be exaltation. Like it's, it's, it's a completely different way of thinking. Jesus always stood on the side of those that were rejected and those that were accused. You know, with the woman with the issue of blood, he told that everyone else, those, you know, no one here is, is, is qualified. Not a single human being. There is no human being that is qualified to judge another human being. No one. And then he tells the adulterous woman, okay? He tells her two things. He says, woman, where are your accusers? Well, I don't accuse you either. Wow. Wow. God is a God that drops the charges and he dropped the charges against her. And then he gives her an impossible command. I know people, you know, quote this all the time, go and sin no more, right? 
But how can someone go and sin no more when without Jesus? How can that even be possible for a human being? Because if she could have obeyed that, then Jesus would not have had to be crucified. Right? Because only Jesus sacrificed. See, all of the charges were absorbed into Jesus. All of the accusations that humans have against each other, the accusations of the law, all of these accusations of good and evil, this is good, this is evil, you are evil, you are good. All of that human judgment judgment was fulfilled in Christ. And now there is no more guilty verdict for anyone. So if you ever hear someone tell you, oh yeah, but Jesus told people to go sin and more. Well, what if Jesus told you that? What if Jesus told you that? Like we expect people to go do that. Like we need to be the convictor of people's sin because, you know, the Bible says this is a sin. This is a sin. This is a sin. And so you need to stop doing that because you're a sinner. Meanwhile, we've got a big fat log in our eye. And meanwhile, we're standing like those that are about to throw the, thr- the stone at the adulterous woman. And now we're going to judge it. Why? Because we've got these darn two circles going in our head and we're judging everything through the illusion of separation from God according to our judgment, according to our definitions that we've inherited over the course of our life about what is good and what is evil. And now it's this subjective thing. And even if you claim the Bible says, well, the Bible says that God holds, looks at us as innocent. God says that the, Jesus is the lamb that takes away the sins of the whole world. So we've been acquitted. And not only have we been acquitted, we've been delivered. We've been delivered from the system of knowledge, of the knowledge of good and evil. We've been, we've been delivered from having to rely on this fallen mindset so that we can now operate with the mind of Christ. And so this idea of dropping the charges means that we drop reliance on human understanding. It means that we let go of playing the the, the the role of stoning so-called sinners. <laughs> and it, it also means letting go of the responsibility to sin no more apart from Christ. We are righteous and we are holy because we are in Christ. There is no guilty verdict for them that are in Christ. Romans 8, 1. There is now therefore no condemnation. There is no guilty verdict. There is no punishment for them that are in Christ. There's no guilty verdict. There's no guilty verdict for them that are in Christ. And we've done lots of teaching around that. But who's in Christ? Well, everybody's in Christ. They may not know they're in Christ. Not everybody's a believer. Not everybody's a follower of the way. But Jesus, God was in Christ, taking away the sins of the whole world. The Father and Jesus were one on the cross. The Holy Spirit was there. When he says, God, you know, my God, my God, why have I forsaken thee? He's not because God is separated from himself. He's actually quoting a psalm. that was like a popular psalm that everybody knew, kind of like a pop song we would all know today. And if you go and read the entire psalm that he is quoting, you will tell it, will, it is a picture of Jesus's crucifixion and what was happening on the cross. So it was not Jesus saying God was abandoning him or that the father was killing him. No, he laid down his life willingly. The father and him were one. God laid down his life so that he could be the the actual, he could absorb the curse. He could absorb the sin, the, the, all of the accusation. He could absorb the blame of mankind so that we could be placed inside of God. And that's why the apostle Paul told the unbelievers at Athens that they were children of God 
are we all children of God? Don't you know we live and move and have our being in God? That's why God told the Holy Spirit, told uh, Peter to rise up and eat. He said, do not call unclean what I have cleansed. Okay. I'm not saying that everybody is experiencing the new birth. Not everybody is experiencing intimacy with God and their union with God. Because why? They haven't heard the gospel or they've heard such a uh, just crappy version of the gospel that it's not something that even makes sense. Right. And they can't, they, they aren't rejoicing. It doesn't sound like good news. And if the gospel doesn't sound like good news, that's not, it's not even the gospel. It's not even the gospel. And so there's a lot here, you guys, when we're talking about dropping the charges, it, it's dropping a system of thinking. It's dropping a relationship with human judgment. It's dropping um, pride to think that we are in any way, shape, or form in a position to judge any other person. That everybody, everybody, everybody was affected by Adam's choice. And everybody has been affected by Jesus's choice. And this, beloved, is what righteousness looks like. Righteousness looks like he died once for all. And we were made righteous from the perspective of God. What he was, what was he doing? He was healing our minds. We were alienated from God in our minds. We were alienated. We were separated from God in our minds. And so God was in Christ healing the illusion, illusion of separation. He was in Christ healing the consequence of separation from him that we inherited through the world system through Adam. And so, God, I've said a lot in the series. I've said a lot in this broadcast. But, beloved, I just want you to know you've not been given the spirit of the world. You've been given the spirit whereby you cry, Abba, Father. God is your father. God is your mother. God is your family. God is your, you're the bride of Christ, right? Like, this is this is beyond gender. This is beyond good, right? God is your origin. God is your origin. In the beginning, he said, let us make man in our image. And in his image, he created us male and female, male and female. We are in the image of God. The attributes of God transcend the patriarchy. They are female. They are male. We have so much revelation about who God is in the life of Jesus and then in the, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the nature of the father. You've seen the nature of your father and your father is good. He's good. He is a healer of all that come to him. He is a, he is a merciful. He is not counting men's sins against them. He is, he is the redeemer of what has been stolen. He has translated us out of darkness, out of this darkened understanding out of this human wisdom, this philosophical reasoned system. And he's put us into the kingdom of light. And we are children of light. We are light. We are light. And we are one with the king of kings, one with the one who won it all. And beloved, this is meant to be experienced. This is meant to be a way of thinking. This is meant to be a way of being. And we can transcend just simply, you guys, just by hearing this message. Okay. If people go, okay, what do I do? You hear it. You hear it just by hearing it. Let me tell you, something happens. You, 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 you ascend, you elevate just by hearing it, just by being able to discern. It's called discernment. Just by being able to see, wow, there's a programmed me. 
all of a sudden just seeing the old man, just seeing it means I'm not, I, I no longer have to identify with it. Just seeing these circles and seeing the fallacy of human judgment says, oh, wow, I can just drop the charges. I can drop the, the judgment like a hot potato. Just seeing it. That's what revelation is. It's seeing it different. And the more that you see it and the more that you spend time with it, the measure that you give to this revelation is it, it, it just it does the work. The gospel is the secret power of salvation. This good news delivers us from the very system. That's why the Apostle Paul would share the good news. And all of a sudden people would start praying in the spirit. Right. It's not a work for this to, to work in you. You hear it and you just simply begin to see different. And when you see different, you begin to operate in a different paradigm. And when you operate in a different paradigm, you can connect with things that weren't possible for you before you saw it. And the truth is you are one with God, beloved. You are not your programmed self. You are not your unrenewed mind. You are not your ego. You are not the old man. And you can live above it because you aren't it. You aren't your body. You aren't your thoughts. You aren't your emotions. You, you have a body, but they don't define you. And you can transcend this place of bondage in the world system through the power of the gospel. So you guys, it has been an honor to be with you on this series. I know there's a ton of revelation to unpack on it. So I just encourage you to go back and listen until, you know, the Holy Spirit makes it clear for you and dive into the scriptures, do your own study. I've, I've really covered a lot in this series and uh, it's been a lot of fun to do it for you guys. So God bless you, you guys. Have a powerful uh, week of revelation and breakthrough, and we will see you on the next series that's about to begin. All right. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Shalisa's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, the path for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose he created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.